Welcome to the Share Life Podcast with Jason Scott Montoya, where we explore stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to an inspirational people interview on the Share Life Podcast. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I'm here with Beth Hahn. Beth, say hello. Hi, guys. Uh, Beth has a quite a story, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Um, both Beth and I have been through the hills and valleys together. Uh, she's been a vital part of my own story. Originally a client of Noodlehead Marketing, who became a team member. Um, she uh, ended up through a, an interesting process, becoming one of the team members and a leader in, in Noodlehead Marketing, um, and a huge uh, part of it. She's a participant in our transition from chaos to order from unintentionality to intentionality. Uh, we both discovered constructive development theory together through the Leaders Lyceum. Um, she went through the program as, as did I, at diff- at, although at different times. Um, we also explored the win without pitching system by Blair Enns that was transformative and just how we thought about selling and persuasion and facilitation. Um, we both went through the Island Story Adventure together, and she's also a co-creator of IDEMA, which you've heard me talk about. Um, and which is a framework for sustaining and cap- capturing and sustaining ideas. So I'm very grateful for the impact that Beth has had. Thank you very much for, for all that you've given me in your life. Um, and I'm looking forward to you sharing that life with, with others today. So tell us about you and your story. Uh, thanks, Jason. I um, have also been tremendously impacted by you and by my time at Noodlehead. It was, um, it was, a, it was a leap of faith coming over to that team, and it felt felt like it was exactly where I was supposed to be. And it, it still feels like that. Um, it's crazy that it's been 10 years. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it was, feel, it felt like so much happened in such a short amount of time, you know, just short amount of time. We changed everything about how we, we showed such bravery, such bravery and yeah. shifting that business to something meaningful. And, um, you know, that Sabbath year in particular, that was, it's, I still, I share that every now and again with people. It's kind of a weird thing to share. Like, like wait, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I actually, um, I ended up re- meeting two people. They reached out to me and they were, one was about to start a Sabbath year and the other was in the middle of it and oh, it was just unrelated and they just happened to stumble upon my story mm. and um, so I like checked in with them every like few months. How's it going? What do you do? You yeah. know, it's just, just, just a cool little thing, yeah. um, to, to experience. Like I'm just, uh, watching it from the, out, from the other side of it this time, you know? Yeah. But I think a lot of people go through that. Maybe it's not, they don't call it that, but I think it's more common than we might think. Yeah, it might be. Um, I think, I think too, like, you know, uh, I think about where I, where my view was on it then versus where my view is on it now. Like, you know, I, um, we were, we were very much giving things over to God. And and at the same time, I certainly had these kind of cherished hopes for outcomes, right? Like I wanted so much to prove to the world that you didn't have Mm. to do it by worldly terms to get the success, if you will. Right. Mm. And, um, and I think that probably my, one of my dreams for it would be that, you know, we take this rest and yet there's, you know, uh, abundance 
And while there was, I'm not sure I saw it as abundance in the moment. I saw it as provision, most certainly. I still remember that story of Lynn getting the bag of fish. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't remember the fish story. Which one yeah, was that? His neighbor, his neighbor brought a bag of frozen fish over. Like oh. he helped him with the tourists and he like brought all this fish. Yeah. He's like, nah, well, there were so many food. stories. It's like, I forgot so half of them. I'm glad we yeah, at least wrote yeah. some of them down. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, if, if I, you know, when I look at it now, I mean, I, I have to acknowledge like, Right before I came on with Noodlehead, I had my first miscarriage. And then the next two were while I was at Noodlehead. And um, that Sabbath year was when I had that, that the third one. And I remember feeling very clearly God was calling me to slow down and to, yeah. and to, and to rest. And, um, and I remember after having the, the miscarriage, being very clear that nothing had changed in that right like that i was still being called to rest and and we rested that year and you know that's the year that that david was conceived mm-hmm. and and it was a successful birth after three losses like um so i to me like um the the abundance um of of that child coming into this world like yeah. <laughs> screw dollars and cents <laughs> you know like that what matters most beautiful. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, a little Sabbath baby. <laughs> yeah, and that's the interesting thing where God meets us all where we are, and 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 gives us, you know, it's different for everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So how did uh, how did you get to Noodlehead? What was the pre-story? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I was I grew up. Um, a person who performed for anyone who would give me love. <laughs> and so I made good grades <laughs> and I did good things. And then, you know, I rebelled and, uh, and did how much some of that was personality versus other factors. Oh, I think it all probably went back to this, like looking for love thing, right? Like I was looking for love and acceptance from my peers. And I, I thought that acting a certain way, doing certain things, being involved in certain activities and nonsense was going to get me there. Um, and it was probably some escapism too, right? Uh, and then I went to college and like got through by the skin of my teeth. I mean, I went <laughs> to a, a fantastic school. Like I, and I, like I'd, I'd had all sorts of like accomplishments right like I was salutatorian at my high school like people you know had compliments for me and and showered affection on me based on the things I did the like achievements um, and yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and it's funny because you know another thing that really impacted me about my noodlehead time and I'm not sure I'm pretty sure we did this while we were at noodlehead was the the strength finder yeah stuff yeah. And, um, and you know, my mother, one of her top five strengths is achiever. She's an achiever. Uh-huh. And like, so the, this, this box checking, while it's not one of my strengths, yeah. it was how I pleased my mother. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. Cause Kate, her strengths finders was like a combination of both of my parents. <laughs> oh yeah. We marry the familiar sometimes, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so I went to Vandy and um, loved it, um, partied more than I would if I had the chance to do it over again now, and that's okay. It's just where I was at that time, and then after, uh, you know, I guess the summer before grad, summer before my senior year, I worked abroad um, and got the 
bug. And so after I graduated, I, I worked abroad again. And that's where uh, I met my first husband, ended up moving to South Africa with him for a while. I got married there. What, what, how, long, how long were you in South Africa? I lived in South Africa for about um, between a year and a half and two years. So it really wasn't that long. What was it but like to impactful. live there? Oh, that was interesting. Um, I felt like a lot of the, like the culture felt more familiar to me than European culture. Mm -hmm. And yet it was, uh, it was pretty disconcerting to walk into a shopping mall and see automatic, you know, weapons on the security guards and all these beautiful homes, but there were tall walls and barbed wire on top. Mm -hmm. And, um, there are certainly there the race relations were were a thing too, right? Like I, I mean, not only am I now living in a country where I am uh, a minority race, but that minority race had a tradition of of um, subjugating yeah. everyone else, and um, a lot of the attitudes um, were were negative towards um, black people, other people. You know, it just it was. It was kind of a mixed bag, but I, I, rem I remember, I definitely remember at one point, I had several arguments with people who would say things like, you know, black people are just X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, but that's not true because I've experienced it otherwise, right? Like that, yeah. it's, no, they, of course they can learn. Like I've seen highly <laughs> intelligent people. Like yeah. just what you're telling me isn't adding up, you know? Yeah. I had a um, recent interview with, um, it hasn't been published yet, but it'll, it'll come out soon uh, with Daryl Davis. And he's a black okay. man, and he uh, he would reach out to the people in the KKK, go to their rallies, and wow. he talks about that similar type of conversation. But he's the black guy, and he's like, "No, I I don't believe that," <laughs> or he yeah. would dismiss their assumptions, you know, or break them down. Yeah. But he did it, and he did it in such a loving way that he's been able to to liberate so many people from oh. the Klan. It's just amazing and inspiring. Such bravery, such and bravery. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, man, if I were a black man, I would not want to go to a KKK rally. That's it's terrifying, but it inspires right. me to go, maybe I can speak out in the ways that are terrifying to me, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'll have to listen to that one. I really yeah. like that. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupt. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, uh, yeah, South Africa was good. I learned Afrikaans. Um, I, I've always enjoyed living in other places. I, I think it was really impactful to me just to understand that it wasn't just the American way of doing things um, and that we weren't always right about everything. Right. And, <laughs> and it's all, it's all, it's all subjective. <laughs> yeah. What's right for me not, might not be right for you. Um, but it really on, it's kind of like the noodle head thing, right? Like it was such a short amount of time in, in the, the scope of my life. And yet it was, it was very impactful. And, uh, and I, I went back and visited many times and that's what led me to Noodlehead. If, if I don't know if you remember, but it was right after a visit to South Africa to see our family there. And I, I was like, I just, I can't keep doing this, this, mm -hmm. like you only get certain number of days to go somewhere. Like, this is nonsense. We live in a world where we have the internet and we have mm -hmm. connectivity and like, I want to be able to work from wherever I want to be. And, um, and, and wasn't that, your purpose statement, something along the lines of like each living as if each day is my last or something like that uh no well no 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 that wasn't it um my i my vision is, oh, okay. is for geographic independence it still is my purpose is to grow to the glory of god okay um and it's funny none of this stuff has changed i yeah. think like some of my some of my visions have like only the only vision i can remember changing was my vision for my parenting at some point mm. i went from i want to raise kind children 
to I want to raise <clears throat> self-aware souls. And mm. part of that but it was, was just understanding. A, but was it a shift in understanding or just shift in vocabulary? No, it was very much a shift in understanding. Oh, okay. Because I came to understand that just because someone's kind doesn't mean that they're emotionally healthy or doing right oh. by them, right? Like, because people pleasing, like, I'm really kind, <laughs> but I can do it for the wrong reasons. Anyone can mm. do it for the wrong reasons. Um, it's, it goes back to yeah. a, a question That's of motivation. Because, well, when we were, to, when we, uh, my, my mission statement before was to teach others. And then I realized I wanted it to be mutual. Ah, oh, I like so that. I, so yeah. I changed it to share life, which is Look the name of the podcast. Look at you growing into humility. <laughs> <laughs> and um, because I have, I have something to learn, right? Even if it's a child, right. they have way, way more to teach me than I might even have yes. to teach them. So, Yeah. And if we keep an open mind, we can mm-hmm. listen and learn from just about anyone. Yeah. So anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, where were we then? <laughs> So, um, so South Africa, then uh, kind Africa, of noodlehead. Okay. Or, or well, so, so first it was first it was Builder Specialties, right? So we moved back, <clears throat> and I started working at Builder Specialties. I started um, right when I mean it was like within the first six months of the company starting. And um, uh, what year did it start then? Um, let's see, that would have been in like two thousand and four. 2003, okay. 2004 would have been when they started, but I got there in 2004. And, um, and I just, it was such a wonderful opportunity being in a startup like that. Like I really got to have my fingers in all sorts of pies. I mean, like I, um, I got to build out a showroom an appliance showroom and Which I, Which one was that, um, that you did? It was the one in Kennesaw, the very first okay. showroom they had. Yeah. And, um, which isn't even there anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, um. I did some operations work. Like I, I, I routed the appliance deliveries and managed the appliance um, driver, the, the delivery drivers. And, and then like the sales team at one point before we had the showroom, they were like, we, we don't have a way to sell these things to our people. We need to be able to show them the packages. And I'm like, well, I can put together a PowerPoint presentation. And so I kind of fell into marketing i mean that was like hey you're the marketing person now (laughs) that's exactly what happened that's 100 percent what happened (laughs) like you there and i'll never forget i'll never forget dave hudson telling getting me my first business cards and showing them to me and saying you see how there's no title on there that's because we don't want to limit what we can ask you to do (laughs) (laughs) and uh and you know my uh that must have been so different that must have been so different in terms of how big it got when you started to when you were done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it grew basically to the size of what RCS had been. And I had worked at RCS as a teenager. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it was not my first rodeo in the industry. You know, it's my, my dad had been in the industry for years. And um, and I liked working for my dad. I worked for him as a teenager. And I, um, I he really instilled a strong work ethic in me. Yeah. And uh, I really admired him as a as a boss and as a leader. I I heard so many people, so many people would come to me and tell me their personal stories about the chances he had given him or mm-hmm. he'd given them. You know, like he just he'd really impacted a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives in, in meaningful ways. Um, and and he was, you know, he's a really smart guy. You know that. I mean, yeah intelligent, um, can definitely carry a conversation with you on stuff like challenges yeah. to think in. Um, 
And he, and he definitely didn't coddle me. There was no like, well, she's my daughter. So she gets, in fact, I probably got the short end of the stick. In <laughs> yeah. fact, pretty sure he told my mother early on that he paid me less than he would have paid someone else. Oh, wow. Because he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't want, you know, for me to be spoiled or anything. And he made it very clear when I started that job, I was to arrive half an hour early and I was to leave half an hour late. Yeah. Yeah. That was to be how I, how I did things. And then that's how I did things. A hundred percent. Like I, I was a workaholic. I was like mm. him. I, I derived so much value. Um, like I valued myself based on the work, my performance, my work performance. Now, yeah. do you think that's unusual for women or is that pretty common? I don't know. Um, I think it's probably pretty common for everybody. Like, so here's what I learned after Noodlehead, right? Like, that Noodlehead was such a beautiful community and such a special space. And it was the greatest professional heartbreak of my life to be released from that company. It was also exactly what needed to happen. Right. Um, But what I learned afterwards was the first person, the first thing people ask you when they meet you is what do you do? Mm -hmm. That's, that's always what they asked. And, you know, I'd gone from like, working so hard at builder specialties and kind of, you know, I'd moved up to manager of customer service and then I was this. And, and then, you know, when you hired me, I got the, the VP in front of a name, right? And I got the <laughs> VP of operations. Doesn't mind. It doesn't matter that there's like half a dozen of us here, like, <laughs> but it, it was a title, you know, and it felt so important and meaningful. Mm. And then I didn't know how to answer when people asked me what I did. And I, um, I'm kind of tearing up a little bit thinking about it because I'm still like, it has taken me so long to, I'm still wrestling with being okay and loving myself exactly where I am, regardless of how I'm performing or what title I'm given or anything like that. Um, but that question, what do you do? And, you know, now, and so I, I wouldn't know how to answer and I, and I had not chosen to be a stay at home mom. And so it didn't feel like something I I could easily embrace, even though I knew like everything in my child, both kids lives, like everything I needed to be there. Like my presence Mm. in the home the last 10 years has been vital for the development of these kids. I'm not saying it has to be a mom. I'm not, I'm just saying for my family, for what we were going through, my presence was important and um, it wasn't something I sought though. Right. And so it was just torture when people would ask me what I did. And, um, but it, and it, just your whole life or in that window of time? No, after, after Noodlehead. Yeah. I didn't care. I loved it when people asked me what I did oh, before that. Oh, okay. I had an answer, Jason. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Okay, that helps. Yeah. Context. Yeah, okay. like somebody asks you, what do you do? Oh, I'm VP of operations for a digital marketing <clears throat> company. Like, aren't I fancy? <laughs> like, but now you're a stay-at-home mom and so you feel like you're not a there's no yeah and I didn't even claim the title I wouldn't okay. claim the title so it would be I, so I you know for a long time I'd dance around well I just published my book and I do some contract work and I you know I'm just kind of like I, I'm reaching for anything I can grab right and is it like, almost like covering a vulnerability probably yeah I'm sure it was because I I didn't 
see my value if I couldn't like attach a title or an achievement or whatever to it. Right. Like it was so important. And the, the, the crazy thing is like now, like I don't hate that question now because I struggle to answer it. I hate that question now because it's stupid. And because I don't care how you make money. And like, there are so many better questions to ask somebody if you want to get to know their character. Like my go-to question now is what brings you joy these days? I'd rather hear about that, you know? And, and you can see sometimes like if you ask somebody who doesn't like what they do for a living, you ask them what they do. Like, it's like you're putting a 50 pound weight on their shoulders. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they'll answer you. They know, they know their answer. doesn't mean it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I have a similar dynamic because I wrote, I published two books, Path of the Freelancer, which is about freelancing and The Jump, which is kind of some of my story and about just the lessons I learned from Noodlehead. Um, mm-hmm. But my goal was not to sell like a billion books. Like for Path of the Freelancer, yeah. I wanted to publish my first book. That was my goal. Right. <laughs> so right. it, I, I have that same di- that same uh, type of conversation with people. When I, yeah. Because it's like, okay, I feel like I have to explain what is, why this means something to me and, you know, yeah. it makes it this, which I think is a nice thing to have, a n- nice conversation to have. But if they're just looking for that kind of superficial thing, then, then I'm not going to be able to give them that. So. Well, and I think most people don't even know what they're looking for when they ask the question, right? It's, it's just reflexive. Yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? Yeah. 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 That's how it's kind of like probably- I, for the most part, I stopped asking people, how are you doing? And I said, it, I just, I say what I, what I want to say, which is, hey, it's nice to see you again. Or, hey, goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I want to ask you a question, I'll actually ask it. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that is a similar type of thing. It's like, yeah, that was well, a reflexive question I was asking. I didn't actually care what, how you were doing. <laughs> and that tracks with our shift to intentionality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the words that come out of our mouth are more impactful than we may realize. Yeah. I mean, you know, you may be reflexively asking me, what do I do? And it's meanwhile, <laughs> it's very impactful to me, much more impactful than you, you know, you probably didn't even have any intention behind it at all. Like it's just, yeah, yeah. It's funny. So does some of that come from the source of, uh, maybe the sort, I don't know the way, best way to phrase it, but the source of value. So the people you were looking to for affirmation or attention they valued work or do you think it was something else? Probably. I mean, both my parents valued work and, and for the first five to six years after Noodlehead, just about every time I got together with my mom, her first question was, what are you doing about finding a job? Mm -hmm. And, and it, and it stemmed from her experience, which was she gets tremendous. Yeah, yeah, I can. You cut out for a second, but you're back. I had a call coming in. Um, <laughs> she gets tremendous gratification from uh, from working outside of the home, right? And she didn't get that in the home, and so she assumed that I wasn't getting the good stuff if I wasn't doing work. But every time she mm-hmm. asked me, it just made me feel like worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so, if um, a parent is in that place, what what would you encourage them to do instead? Oh, I, I'm a firm believer in reparenting ourselves. Uh, I, there's a lot of different like tactics for doing that. Um, but 
like I have my own set of values. She has her own set of values. They're, 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 um, separate and equal. Right. But if I want to live a life that's, um, gratifying to me, then I need to live in, in accordance with my values. And so, um, yeah, I, I can, I can sit down, uh, in particular, like a writing exercise is the first thing that comes to my mind. Like you can, like, uh, I can sit there and write a letter to myself, you know, dear Beth, I, I see what a challenge it is for you when someone asks you that question. I understand why it's a challenge for you. It makes sense because, you know, this has been your history. This has been your experience. You've gotten a lot of um, confidence from your accomplishments and your achievements, your titles. And it has served you in the past. And now it's not serving you. And there are different ways to approach this that, that might serve you better. And you can try some things and see how it works and be curious. And if it doesn't work, you can change your mind. Yeah. Um, kind of taking through, taking yourself. I talk, I think about little Beth sometimes, right? Cause there's little yeah. Beth. There's like, for me, she's this girl with this little perm and she's like six or seven years old. <laughs> And sometimes I just need to talk to her because sometimes she's afraid. Sometimes she's um, anxious about how she's being received. Sometimes I don't even need to talk to her. Sometimes I just need to picture like pressing my third eye to hers and just breathing deeply. Yeah. So you talk about the idea of we do, we do some, we, we come up with those values and behaviors. They serve us for a while, maybe to survive. But then we hit a point where they no longer serve us. Yes. And that seems to be a very difficult transition, both for individuals, groups, and our society, it seems like. Where, hey, this thing served us for a while, but it no longer does. Yeah. Change is scary. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also the change that, like, this actually protected me for a while. That Right? Well, yeah, I I think that part, I think... Seeing that it protected me for a while is is part of what allows me to let go of it. Like mm. awareness, then acceptance, and then action. If you try to jump <laughs> to action before you have awareness or acceptance, it usually doesn't play out so well. Yeah. Um. So acknowledging that that it has, and and the other thing too, I, the other thing about that is like I I've come to believe that most of my character is, is neither good nor bad. Like it all sits kind of on a spectrum. So like you look at my strengths, you know, I'm, I'm a strong communicator on the strength side and on the weakness side, if you want to call it that. Um, sometimes I talk too much, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I'm uh, intimacy is, is a strength of mine. Uh, the ability to go deep in a conversation with someone very quickly and, I have at times been less than discerning and who I've been Mm. willing to share intimate parts of myself with, right? Like whether that's physically, emotionally, intellectually, what have you like, and I just don't have to share every piece of myself with everyone. I just don't. Um, I'm not under any obligation to, um, you know, to reveal everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else post noodle head in your story that you want to share? Um, about your maybe yeah. your health and wellness. And yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Beach, so the beach I, um, party. <laughs> and the beach party. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So a few years after Noodlehead, 
I was introduced to a support group that was tremendously helpful for me and um, I found a lot of support and understanding in this community and it really led me down this path of self-care that I had had um, just hadn't seen I needed how, to how be How do you on. define that? Because that goes, that gets yeah. tossed around so many different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... Through this support group, have, have my idea of what self care looks like has totally changed. So I look at several different departments. I actually have, like, in my daily planner journal, I have um, a department to check in. And one of the things I check in on my financial self care, um, my spiritual self care, my emotional self care, my physical self care, um, my intellectual self care, my social self care. Um, all these things are are pieces. There's there's more there. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. Um, there, <laughs> it's it's there's so much more to it. And like like financial self care, like that was a really um, important thing for me to start putting that in the self care bucket, because like I think before I had this kind of idea that like you know you get to once you have a certain number of dollars coming into your bank account or in your bank account or whatever, now we're good, right? Well, what I've learned in the last you know, six, seven years is that my uh, peace of mind around my financial status doesn't actually have to do with the number of dollars in my bank account. What it has to do with for me is my awareness and acceptance of where I am. So if I am willing to take the time to track all my spending, put it all into categories, you know, do the little pie charts. Um, <laughs> food spending in particular has been a journey of mine for the last couple of years because that's the low hanging fruit on my budget is like if I really am intentional about what I'm spending on groceries and things like that, I can really make an impact. But if I know what I'm spending and on what, that is what makes a difference in my peace of mind around money, mm. not whether or not I have enough to do X, Y, or Z. Is it so, so visibility? Would you call that visibility over your money? I think, I think it's kind of taking control of what I can control. Yeah. Right. Like, so, I mean, I can control whether or not I'm tracking these things. I can control Mm. whether or not I'm looking at these things. And I, I notice it with, with my husband, you know, if he starts questioning me on a purchase, if I haven't been doing my financial self care, (laughs) I'm very quick to become defensive Mm. because I don't really know if it's, a justified purchase or whatever, right? Like mm. I, I, I start to jade, justify, argue, defend, and explain. <laughs> mm. I want to do all these things to, to make it all right. Um, but if I have done the work and I've looked at the things, and for me, for my relationship, part of financial self-care is actually reviewing these things with him. Like, again, it doesn't matter if we have enough for X, Y, or Z, or if we've you know got X yeah. margin or whatever. It's have we sat down and looked at it and said, yeah, we're, we're doing what we can here or here are our opportunities for improvement. Um, it just changes everything. Yeah. Um, so, and I, so I look at, I try to look at self-care from a, a much more holistic perspective than I used to. Mm. Um, and, and it's not like, I, I don't, I don't, I try to stay away from any moral judgments on like nutrition or movement. Like I am not uh, a better or worse person because I, you know, pump some iron one day or eat a <laughs> carrot, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not, you know, the same, same goes for eating a piece of cake or, or sitting on the couch, you know, watching Netflix. Um, but 
at the same time, like if I'm, if I'm pouring into to myself with some of these activities, if I'm, if I'm doing it because I love how it makes me feel and, um, I, I like, you know, the strength, I like the, the endurance that comes from it. I, I love, um, feeling like I want to, I want to play with my kids more. Like that was one of the first things I noticed when I started mm-hmm. like working out was like, I wanted to play. I, my kids would ask me to do something. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go jump on the trampoline. Let's do this stuff. Right. And, Cause I was no longer just sitting around. Right. And, um, yeah. and you know, for nu- nutrition too, like I, I really, um, I strive to put things in my body that, that make my body feel alive and good. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, if I have a breadstick at Olive Garden, like we don't need to be lashing ourselves over this. Like it's okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, maybe it upset my stomach. Maybe I just needed to, to have that little reminder that my, my stomach doesn't sit as well when I eat these things as it does other things, you know, just move on. Tomorrow's a new yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, so I yeah, found a support one. group yeah. and one of the questions it asked was, you know, am I taking good care of myself? And, um, mm-hmm. And then a sorority sister invited me to a, a then the company was called Beachbody uh, Boot Camp, and I accepted. I started working out. And for four years, I was a customer and um, really didn't lose any weight. I hadn't done anything with the nutrition, but I felt so much better that I was just like addicted. And yeah. then in 2020, my husband and I, you know, 2020, right? Like it was just that year. And like the kids would go mm. to their uh, dads for a weekend and we'd be drinking skinny margaritas and eating cheese dip and a steak and it just it just really started packing on and I ended up uh but I was still working out and I saw this commercial and um someone I knew from builder specialties Elsie's oh, daughter wow. actually oh, wow. was um was a beach body coach and she was on this commercial after my workout and I reached out to her I was like did I just see you on a commercial you know she's like yeah I was like I was like, well, you know, my coach quit years ago. I think maybe I need to transfer to your team. And I transferred to her team and it was a thriving team in this community. Like I learned that I could, if I surrounded myself with other people trying to take better care of themselves, I could learn from what they were doing. Right. And like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I like that idea. I like that idea. I like that idea. And I started picking up what I liked and using it and it worked. And I started feeling better and better and better. And then I was really hooked and, and, uh, I decided I wanted to start helping other people. And so I did. And I, it's been incredible. Like I, I, so much of, of, um, we now, our company's now called body. We've really made, they've made a shift. They've started selling corporately what I've been selling all along, which is health esteem. I mean, I, I've never been, uh, selling weight loss. That's not what, you know, it's not what it's about for me. Um, it's about feeling good right where you are today. And, uh, that's interesting. When I built this- um, well, I was going to say, I, um, I, w- I went to this CrossFit thing, uh, event with some friends and there was two guys there and one of the guys, um, uh, and I was like, obviously I had not been doing it. So I was like a disaster, like falling behind and like yeah. wheezing and aching and the cramps. I was just like a disaster. And there was one guy there that like, it wasn't trying to do it, but just the way he was talking to me just made me feel horrible about myself. And there was another guy that the way he was talking to me, I felt wonderful. Like he was reassuring me and, you know, like you don't have to keep up with them, you know, that kind of, um, and it was a stark contrast and it was much more motivating, even though they were kind of doing the same thing. They were just approaching it vastly different. Yeah. 
it makes a big difference. I, and like, and that's like why I say, like, I am not punishing my body. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm, I, I am learning to work with my body instead of mm. against it. And that, and that for me is, is gorgeous. And when I think about it, Jason, like I really, when you boil it down, like I can make a strong argument that the only innate responsibility that comes with life is taking care of the body we're given. Okay. I mean, like at the end of the day, what else? Like, what else is there? Like you're given a body <laughs> like, and, and it's it. a body. Yeah. Do what you will with it. Right. Like that's, a, that's really your only responsibility that you're not putting on yourself or someone mm. else and putting on for you. But, uh, so, but the, the cool thing was, you know, like the cool thing about these, these businesses is, you know, you can buy into the way everybody else is doing it. I could have done boot camps and this and that, but I, I did it the way that I wanted to do it. And after all that time at Noodlehead, there was no way I was going to build a business that wasn't intentional. And so like, my social media schedule, like each day of my week is, uh, has a theme and it's meaningful. It's not like, you know, like taco Tuesday, not saying taco Tuesday is bad. Right. (laughs) But I I put things that were meaningful to me. Like, you know, I have, I have mindful Monday because mindfulness Mm. is important to me tuning Tuesday, because I believe what were the inputs we have in our life are important. We Wednesday, because I think community is important. Thankful Thursday, because gratitude is important fun and free Friday, because I think it's important to do fun things with free of attachment, self-care Saturday, because I think self-care is important and stock taking Sunday, because I think it's important to, to look at my life and my week and, and ask myself questions about whether or not this is the way I want to continue. And then I created these regular self-care events. Um, I decided I didn't want to recreate the wheel every, you know, I didn't want to always be looking for the next thing to to tell people all about what I'm doing, right? So instead, I have two monthly events. I have um, the first weekend of every month is Water Weekend, where we set a water goal. Everybody sets their own, and you try to hit it. And that's it. And then the third Sunday of every month is Clean Week, and that is my favorite. That's a self-care <laughs> practice of your choice. And so we've got this group who comes together and everybody's working on something different. I mean, one person might be working on more conscious contact with God. One person might be working on cutting out sugar or caffeine or getting more movement. Another person might be working on self-talk. Another person might be working on their posture um, or their enunciation. Like, and it's so cool because all these people bring these different ideas of what self-care can look like to the group and it inspires others, right? You're like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. I could totally do that. And then after a year of showing up daily on social media, I decided I can't preach self-care and show up daily on social (laughs) media. This is not good for me. And so I started um, taking social media breaks during my clean weeks. And, uh, and in the last maybe six months or so, I've extended that to more of a media break because I found that what was happening was, you know, when I would take my social media breaks, I wouldn't go into the social media apps, but I would kind of establish a different pattern. So like if my pattern when I'm on social media is like, check Facebook, check Instagram, check my emails, check, you know, this, then when I was on my break, it would be, go look at the news, go look at my emails, go, right? And I'm like, how many times do I need to look at this news app? Like, <laughs> how many times do I need to check my email? <laughs> I don't, right? But it was like, it's this compulsion and these phones, they, I mean, we get the hit, right? We get the dopamine hit every time yeah. something pops up, um, whatever, like, and, and it's been very important to me to learn how to put my phone in the drawer. And yeah. it is a challenge. 
yeah. there's a challenge. I, it's, I mean, I've been doing the social media breaks for almost two years now, and it's mm-hmm. a challenge every month. Is it just Facebook or is it other ones as well? Oh yeah, no, all of them. I mean, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, and it's, and it, and for me, I do some of the scrolling, but I really want the notifications. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want somebody, I want somebody to like my stuff. I want somebody to to comment on my stuff. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's the whole thing set up for, right? Like we are, the whole construct of it is come offer your opinion on someone else's (laughs) business. Yeah, I um I was tracking my sleep in 2020 and um <laughs> I would I, so before the pandemic hit like I had all those rituals types of things you described like everything was perfect. And then the pandemic hit and it was like mm-hmm. I'm just I it threw me off and I wasn't able to recover quickly but um I I tracked my sleep and I could you t- track the quality of it and you could see yeah. particularly during November like my sleep just like dropped in quality. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> November 2020, no doubt. And then it was like November, December, and then January, and then it was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. So I had to take mm-hmm. a, a Twitter break from that for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a thing, and uh, and I don't know how many of us um, realize how much it's affecting us. I'm just not sure. I forget. Well, see, that's, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and you know, we did I run, you run. And one of the things about I run, you run was you tracked it so you could see it quickly. And that was the kind of thing with the sleep tracking is I I was tracking it so I could see it. Um, But most people are not necessarily doing that or they're not as analytical as me to kind of bridge the connection. So, so I think, I think what you're describing in that, like you, you know, talking about just tracking things, um, how much that one, it gives us control and visibility, but it also just looks like a mirror, right? Oh, absolutely. I thought I shared about those departmental check-ins. Like sometimes like for those departments, what I'll do, if it's, if it's a stock taking Sunday, it gets a frowny face, a straight face or a smiley face. Um, and if it's a weekday, then like, you know, financial self-care, I might write in the box. Okay. Do accounting self-care or whatever. Right. But it's funny because when I'm checking into those departments, sometimes I'll like get too emotional and I'll write tired and then I'll get too physical and I'll write tired. And I'll get to, um, you know, spiritual and write tired. And then, you know, when you've written tired three times on your <laughs> thing, you're like, you know, maybe I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Time to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a little thing and it's so important. <laughs> yeah. Anything else about your story uh, that you want to throw out there? Um, you wrote a, wrote some devotions for the, oh, for the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So actually I did, you know, when you asked me to like tell my story and to talk about, um, talk about like the importance of stories in my life, one of the first things I thought about was one of the the meditations I wrote for that. So in 2020, um, I, the Episcopal church puts out a monthly like, um, meditation booklet, right? So like you'll have the, the verse for the day and then somebody writes a reflection on it. So, um, I've read this like my entire life. I've read for day by day, which is the uh, the publication for the Episcopal Church. And in 2019, I was invited to be the author for 2020 and for August 2020. And um, how did that come about? So I was part of the online community. Like I had started, I guess it was around 2015. I started reading that online instead of in the little booklet 
and mm-hmm. they had a comment section and there's this community that thrives there and prays for one another and supports one another and loves one another. And they were really there for me, uh, in the final days of my first marriage, um, mm-hmm. when I just so desperately wanted for things to work. Right. And it was just soul crushing for me, uh, to see where things were going. And I was just a hundred percent there with that community. And, uh, one of the editors took note of my, my presence there and, that's yeah, that's how I was invited. And um, mm. so it was it was one of the I mean, it is probably the, the one of the greatest honors I've ever had was writing for the for that community It was also one of the most challenging things for me uh, spiritually to go through that editing process. Because, as you know, I, some of my ideas are a little less than conventional when it comes to <laughs> theology. Um, <laughs> I think I gave them I gave them a run for their money on that one. Uh, <laughs> But so, but one of the things that I wrote, and I actually I had it ready so I could share it with you because it's kind of cool. Um, one of the meditations I wrote, I think, is probably the the way I'd most like to share my story. Um, and when I I gave it a title when I republished on the on my website, and when I put it on my website, I called it um, "Parable." So it's from Psalm seventy eight. Uh, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will declare the mysteries of ancient times. And here's my reflection on it. A child went to school. In science, she studied the scientific method. She was intrigued. In math, formulas developed her desire for balance. History classes taught her to think critically about information sources and consider motivations. Ideas about perspective emerged from books she read, fueling her belief that we are more alike than different. As she grew, she learned how little she knew. She experienced the weight of facts and wondered at carrying so many. She began to question those who claimed to have all the answers. When things didn't make sense, she turned to God. Guide me, she prayed, and she saw signs. Over and over again, she made decisions difficult to prove by the scientific method. She began to think about concepts of God critically. She began to erase the formulas she had drawn around God, and God grew big enough to swallow up her facts, and that truth set her free. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of how I see my life, right? Like kind of like you were talking about. Like I don't know if it was before or after we started recording, but um, growing into humility, wanting to, um, you know, just releasing the idea that we have to know things and that we have to have all the answers. Um, well, that's the maybe, one of the takeaways from Job is Job wants all these answers and yeah. God gives him a bunch of questions, but it seems to work, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> right, right. And it's funny because he shows I think up. About, yeah. Oh, God, and God does right. Like, and and if you're if you're willing to look for it. Uh, and it's funny because I, I think about like, you know, when I was at Nunaplet was when I was really heavy into the signs. Like I was all about asking for signs. I don't know if you remember, but um, it was Italia who had um, suggested to me. I used to say uh, my my feelings on God were uh, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And mm-hmm. when I shared that with her, she said, she suggested that I introduce myself to God and ask God by what name I, I could call him. And, and I did. I, thought I was really into order of prayer at that time. And so there were about six months 
where I had this kind of structured prayer life. Um, and part of that structure was saying, God, you, you know me. By what name can I call you? And there was um, one morning about six months into it. I was out by a lake early morning going through my thing. And I heard a name and I didn't, but I didn't hear it. And I saw a name, but I didn't see it. Like, And <clears throat> when I shared it with Natalia, I remember her saying, God wrote on your heart. And that felt right. And, uh, and there was this name, right? And I, I Googled it when I got home and it was, it was a, a Jewish name for God. Um, and it's one that's very, you know, it's, it's not commonly used, but it was just so random that, that, that this name, um, came to me. So like, I've had really powerful experiences around asking for signs. Like I, I asked God at one point, you know, um, give me a sign if it's important to you that I stay in this marriage. Uh, and the sign didn't come. Right. And so, and it, it's not like I bailed on the marriage right then, but things changed for me at that point because all of a sudden it, it felt like this is my decision. This is not staying in this marriage is not, um, necessary for honoring God. Right. And the other, ever, lots of other little things. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Noah? No. Okay. That I won't spoil it, but the end of the movie is this sort of like, God, tell me what to do. And yeah. it's kind of that type of moment. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because <clears throat> I was so into those signs for so long and I just don't ask for signs very much anymore. And it's not because my, you know, relationship with God is less close. Um, my, my prayers, I try to, to stay centered around um, asking God for understanding of God's will for my life and the power to carry it out. And just keep it simple, right? Like, just yeah. show me what work I can do. I'm about to walk into the grocery store here. Can you just make it really clear what I might do for you in there? That'd be yeah. nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about living better and working smarter. Anything you would add to that? Um, well, I know we're going to talk about edema another time, but I just, uh, I really, this intentional living is such a gift and having a structure is such a gift. I'm such a, a free thinking person that, um, I have found that that's putting structure around myself. is really, it's really good for me. Um, and so I, I think, and the other thing, piece to it is like some of these structures, right? They're applicable anywhere. So the idea that, um, idea, you know, idea, uh, discovery, execution, Execute. maintenance, audit, right? Like these are things that we can take, we can take anything through. Um, same with like, you know, awareness, acceptance, action. Like I can ask, I can ask myself, like, where am mm -hmm. I on this? Am I still needing to accept yeah. this or am I still not fully aware whatever? Like, um, and systems help me too. Like, I mean, you know, like I said, like I don't, I don't, you know, report to an office. I don't have like, you know, um, a, a schedule for my day tasks. I mean, I do. Right. But it's a lot more loose than it would be if I were, were like it was when I was working for someone. So my journal, my daily planner is, is, um, really empowering and helpful for me because it helps me stay close to the things that are important to me. Um, I have my core values on there. You know, I ask myself on, on a regular basis, am I living into these? Um, my primary purpose is there, you know, my vision is there. And it, it's really fascinating to me. Like here we are 10 years down the road and none of those, um, things have changed, right? Like, uh, I still, they all sit really well with me. Um, and I think taking the time to, to dive into that and ask myself those questions was just so impactful on my life. Like, and, and I think it's hard 
to to get the nerve to do it. I'll never forget the you know that first 360 that I did yeah. um, with Leaders Lyceum. Like that was the first time that I ever asked people to fill out things with <laughs> you know what what do you think about me and these things or whatever. And like that was scary. It was really yeah. scary. And but then once you start to look at it as data, right? Like it changes. Um, yeah, it changes. And and it's the same on on a, a health journey, right? Like if I'm trying to lose weight to be kinder to my knees, like I can look at a scale and I can, I can, I can decide that it's shaming or congratulating me, or I can decide it's data. It's just data. It's yeah. a piece of the puzzle. So I think I think having the the courage to to dive into some of that stuff and ask yourself the hard questions, I think that's um, it, it. Really can pay off in spades. And I and I think to that having a person or people who are there to support you through that is really important. You, you know, you, you talked to some about, and about mentorship and the value of that. I think some of the most impactful mentors I've had in my life have um, not given me the answers, right? Like they are the people who have said things like, you know, I really think you have the answer inside yourself. I, I believe you have this answer. And I, I think you can do this and, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you should explore it this way, but it's, it's never the, the best mentors I've had have just been role models, role models mm -hmm. and not, um, not guides. So yeah. yeah, finding those, finding those people who encourage you to believe in yourself is just so impactful because the truth of the matter is what's best for me may not be what's best for you. And, and what's best for me today might not be what's best for me tomorrow. And um, having people to remind you that you have more answers for yourself than you might believe is important, especially in a world where everybody else is telling you the answers, right? Like every commercial that comes up is telling you, this is the answer. This is what's going to make you happy. Whether it's, you know, a new digital toy or an education or, you know, a new job, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I think self-authoring our lives is the path to um, self-satisfaction. Yeah. What would you say to someone who wants to start that journey but doesn't know where to start? Well, I, I do think that uh, community is there for the taking or for the, the joining, if you will. Uh, so um, I'm amazed how many support groups there are. There's a support group for everything absolutely everything. So if somebody is in like a situation that is challenging, there's a community for it somewhere. Just get online, man. We've got, we've, we've got it all at our fingertips. Um, that's one great way to start. Uh, I believe in asking God for help. Um, I think asking for guidance and, and, and direction is helpful, right? So that's a way to start, but I don't, I know that doing it alone is not the best way for me because when I try to do things alone, I get tunnel vision, you know, I, so, I need somebody. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say you're hitting on this idea of dependence, right? We are dependent creatures. Yeah. But in America, it's like, Hey, I'm autonomous. I don't need anyone else. I did it myself. You know, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so how do you yeah. reconcile that? How do I reconcile that? Um, I don't know if I have to Yeah. <laughs> start there. Right. Like, um, for me, it is, I come to better solutions when I involve additional brains and, and I don't want the brains who are dictating my life, you know, direction to me. 
I want people to share their own experiences and um, I want to take what I like and leave the rest. And, uh, but I, I am so inspired by their people. Look at, look at your podcast. It's called sharing life, inspirational people, right? Like, come on. Like it's because this works because something you said in, in this conversation or something I said is going to strike someone in a way that they need to hear. Right. And it's probably not like what we thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. But when we share these things with each other um, and we share our own challenges and the ways we've overcome them, other people can get ideas. Like I just, I just think, and I, I look, I, I think the same thing politically. I think that the idea that we've got two teams fighting against each other is absolutely ludicrous. Like since when is one way of thinking the best way of thinking? Like, I mean, you know, opposing opinions lead to better mm -hmm. solutions if we're willing to listen and learn and, um, and treat each other with dignity and respect. Um, yeah, I had, a, I, just, I had an emotional vision the other day of just imagining our next president in the Oval Office and next to him is Bush and Obama uh, and, you know, John McCain and John Kerry and Hillary, like all, even the losers, like everyone in... Like we've got huge, big, complex problems. We can do this together. We can't do this yeah. on our own. And, uh, and just and that idea. We probably want the same stuff too, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we might have different ideas tactically about how to approach things. Yeah. And so you know, it's it's uh, we're destroying our we're destroying each other, which is destroying us when we could be. And and I think part of that is me grieving, like we don't have that, right? Yeah. And. Yeah. And I think our country, I read this book called The Grieving Brain about the neuro, the neurology of, or I don't know the right word, but the, just how the brain works when it comes to grieving. And I was like, wait a second. I think our country has a lot of grieving to do that it has not done over and it's causing oh, yeah. really severe problems. Oh yeah. We are just burying a lot of that junk, right? A lot of the stuff that we could reparent ourselves through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretending it never happened. <laughs> and, exactly. and you're right. I mean, like I, my 17 year old, um, loathes our political system. Like he, yeah. it, it, he's not desensitized to it at all. He's looking at it and saying, this is madness. Yeah. Which it is. <laughs> it is. And yeah. I don't know how to fix it. Like I don't have yeah. the solution. I do think that if we are solution oriented as opposed to like victory oriented, it's bound to work out better. Yeah. Yeah, at least it's a start. And I think that's where it kind of gets back to um, that the idea of dependence and vulnerability and, and um, you know, who's going to be the first. Uh, I think it was, um, I can't remember if it was Leaders Lyceum or some other one, but it was like, who's going to be the more mature person? <laughs> you know, who's going to be the one? Someone has to go first. Yeah. And that's scary to do that, right? Very much so. Not just scary, like it's a threat to the system at this point yeah, and a yeah. threat to the power structure. So if somebody's trying to subvert the the, the existing power structure, that's terrifying to the existing yeah, power structure. Yeah. Which reinforces <laughs> whatever the Whatever side of whatever aisle you're on, right? Yeah, yeah. So what have, what do you, um, what, what are some fictional or actual stories that have shaped you as a person? Narrative stories? Um. You know, I, like I said, that support group's been really meaningful to me and, and uh, listening to other people share in there has been very meaningful to me. And the stories of people on their self-care journeys are very meaningful to me as well, whether it's a success or a failure, right? Like, Is it like I mean, inspirational, seen... like motivating, or is it more like informative, like a help or both? Or how do you kind of take it? I think all of it, right? Like I, I can take what I like and I can leave the rest, right? So like yeah. 
uh, an example, one of the people, one of the leaders in my business, um, who I, you know, uh, know it had per, um, created a successful body partnership was making lots of money and burned themselves out in the process. And I took a look at that and said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. Like I'm going to build a business that's going to serve my well-being because there's very few businesses out there that actually serve your, you know, your well-being. <laughs> so like I get I get the freedom yeah. to create that. Um so that's boundaries. Talk talk about that idea having and enforcing them. Yeah, it's hard. I think the more like, you know, you start to think, I don't know if you're like, I had this, I've had this long history of thinking things will take less time than they will, right? Like, I thought it would take me a year to produce the book. It took like two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in that with my current book. It's like I'm three years in and like, this might be a five year project. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think that (laughs) happens. Um, So for me, if I can stay focused on the things that are important to me, I do better. And so like keeping my, my, my blinders on to a degree, like, and it's weird, right? Like I don't have to reconcile it, but here I am telling you all about how listening to other people's experiences is important. And I think it's important to leave some of that, right? Like I don't need to get Mm. into the comparison game. I don't need to say to myself, well, this person made X dollars by X years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and at the end of the day, our dollars really what's the most important to me. And it's really not, right? Like even though you hang out with people who are celebrating them enough and you start to think they are, like, I mean, I when I look at it, like honestly, like my business, though I'm not making a million dollars a year, my business is absolutely successful because I am growing to the glory of God. <laughs> and I can help people love themselves better from anywhere at any time. I am geographically independent, right? Yeah. And like I mean, like I am living into the bridge that I built for myself ten years ago. Like every day. Um it's yeah, that's it. it's well yeah. I was just gonna say to I remind ha- myself. Yeah. Um it's, I've been freelancing since I shut down Noodlehead and um it's it's like a constant tension of people like you should hire someone and start a marketing company. They're like no, like, oh God, no. <laughs> I already went down that road. That's not what I want to do. Um, and it's actually been interesting because most people would just go down that road and they would yeah. build the company and I'm going the other direction. And it's yeah. actually created yeah. some really unique opportunities and perspectives that would have never been possible without that hard no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a guy the other day, he he, he texted me. I, it'd be, it's nice that it's something like, it's nice that you get to take off weekends. Cause I don't work yeah. on the weekends and awesome. <laughs> but I, like, yeah. I didn't used to, I worked every day and all the yeah. time. So, yeah. um, but that was a choice I made and I have to enforce it. Right. So. Well, and, and I gotta say like, you know, watching you, I mean, like I was, I had a front row seat for your epiphany. Yeah. I mean, I was in the room when you figured out, Oh no, <laughs> I created this company for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) this is a problem, right? Like, and and it and it it was catastrophic in so many ways. Like, I mean, uh, but you know, honestly, like, I mean, at at the end of the day, any of the dreams I had for Noodlehead and it's like uh, commercial success or whatever, like, takes such a backseat to that community we had. Like, just the um, the way 
the four of us in particular, I think at the end, right? Like yeah. we're able to just treat each other with dignity and respect and allowed each other to have different opinions and views and experiences. Like it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And, and also I, I have uh, come to define that period uh, with this understanding that one of the earmarks of true community, like true, deep, meaningful community is um, it's fleeting things change. Someone's got to leave. Something's got to change. It's not going to, it just doesn't stay. Right. And it's kind of heartbreaking and, and also beautiful at the same time. Cause if it was always there, maybe we wouldn't even appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. The contrast between the two. Mm. But that was, I was, I mean, those last months in particular, like, I mean, you were a sight to see Jason. That was a, that was a tough period for you. Yeah. It was. You really went through the ringer. Um, and, you know, that, that'll, that'll cure some, watching someone go through that will <laughs> cure someone of the idea of going to start a company for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, when you came on board, it was like, okay, if we were to start a marketing company over again, what would it look like? And we changed it into that. But then I had to deal with the, the more root question, which is, if I could do any voc anything vocationally, would this be what I do? And, right. and the answer was no. And um, right. I I knew to be fully committed, I had to be fully committed, and and I wasn't. So, um, that was that was the one of the aspects of it. I think for me was to to um, say goodbye to something I loved. Yeah, and what bravery, right? Because I mean that community. I know you loved it as much as I did. I think we all did. That was a really yeah. special thing, and, and especially going through that 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 year together right like what a leap of faith especially yeah. for like someone like wayne right yeah <laughs> okay yeah. we'll see how this goes i guess yeah i'll ride the roller coaster yeah y'all gave, gave me parting gifts that that changed me you know and well and and if you look at it like we're all still kind of connected in in one way or another right like i mean lynn did the graphic design for my book um wayne has been helping me build this uh, website for Opal's America. Like he and I have been in contact yeah. recently. Yeah. He's actually, he came to my last uh, clean week self-care event. Oh, wow. he, cool. His focus was eating more fruit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's neat. neat. Yeah. I think it's kind of special that uh, there was something real there. Right. And because it's still there. Yeah. There's love. There's love yeah. there. So, and we all got springboarded, even though, even though we just we said it was happen would probably happen. We didn't want to accept it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, and uh, it certainly didn't. I didn't get didn't get off to where I ever would have imagined myself. Um, and yet, I am exactly where I'm meant to be, and I'm the happiest I've ever been. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like I would, I would not want to go through it again, but I wouldn't not want to go through it. <laughs> right. Like it was so foundational. So very foundational. Yeah. Yeah. And there were a lot of other people that played their parts and, and, and oh my God. leaders Lyceum and Keith and Absolutely. Todd and, and then um, what Sarah was the church that, that <clears throat> took us in when the oh, generations, problem. James, yeah. yeah, James in particular. I remember, an... remember we had just made the decision not to talk about, the, oh, the Sabbath year. year with anyone unless they like like straight up asked us yeah like, the next day you had lunch with him and he's like no tell me what's going on 
But you were there too, right? Or or was it me, just me? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was just you for that oh, one. Okay. I think we talked to him later, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I was, I don't know. But yeah. yeah, I remember the story. I remember I remember feeling like God was dancing around it. Yeah, and that's, uh, yeah, that was a wild journey. Uh, maybe we'll have to talk about that some more, but um, as a group. So. Yeah. But I think in a lot of ways, you know, from there, and this is one of the, oh, this is an interesting thought. Um, when and when the pandemic hit, um, I thought I was going to have to sh- pivot. Mm-hmm. But I realized that the Sabbath year had already prepared me for the pivot. Mm. And that was more provision. Pretty neat. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just like, okay. And I, it took me a few months to realize it because I was like panicking a little bit. So yeah. then I was like, wait a second. You know, it's sort of the living the Sabbath life versus sort of this one time thing. It's just living this way of life. Yeah. Yeah. Rest and release. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I think it's hard. It's very um, countercultural. Like I, I told you, I take the third week off, you know, yeah. uh, from social media and stuff. But it was still a challenge for me to start to embrace the idea that sometimes I can make it two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I do. Some, sometimes yeah. I do. <laughs> and I kind of, I took that idea. Um, it kind of manifests in different ways. But one of the ways it manifests in that similar way for me is at the end of the year, like around November, I'll do like a reflection of the year post on my blog. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just stop posting on my website until mm-hmm. sometime in January. And it's just like yeah. this break. Um, and uh, yeah. And you can come back to it fresh and, and enthusiastic. Yeah. It's actually energizing because then it yeah. refuels. You like want to share things all of a sudden. It doesn't feel like a burden, right? You're like, yeah, oh, stuff to share yeah. now. <laughs> What other final words of wisdom do you have for us that you'd like to share that you didn't get a chance to yet? Oh, I mean, I guess it's just a a reiteration of everything I've been saying. Like if I could talk to the person who's listening to us right now, I would want them to know that they are loved and they can trust themselves and there is help if they're willing to ask for it. And, um, all was well, all is well, and all will be well. Cool. Well, people uh, want to visit your website or find you on social media. Where do they do all that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, so you can um, you can find me on potluckmama.com. I've got the, those uh, months worth of meditations up there. I also have information about Potluck Fit Mama, which is the kind of um, health esteem uh, partnership that I have built. And I most recently built a uh, website for my husband. Um, he's got opal fever and started cutting opals. And so opalsamerica.com, if you want to go look at some pretty gemstones and, ooh and, and is it just them. the stone or is it like part of jewelry or just the stone? So it's just wow. the cut stone and you can put it into uh, custom jewelry or if you're a jewelry, you can buy them. But, uh, it's been really, that's been fun to watch. Like he, yeah. um, talk about like finding a calling like this he's a bus driver a school bus driver and something yeah. he never planned for his life but he took on <laughs> in 2020 he had a cdl we figured if you know things get bad they'll close the schools he loves <laughs> that job now and then he got hooked on uh this guy in australia who has this youtube channel who like cuts opal and he'll spend like an hour telling you exactly how he's doing it and it'll wow. put me to sleep in five minutes but he's like obsessed yeah. and so in the spring we got him a lapidary machine that's the machine you used to cut uh, okay. gemstones and is it a big he started thing or cutting. small how what's... um it's probably about <clears throat> the size of like a keyboard right okay. and uh yeah. yeah and uh it, and he's just he loves it and 
like it lights him up from the inside out. You know, when you watch someone and they're just like lit up by what they're doing, it's been really neat. And then for me, I mean, like I only ever knew enough about websites to be dangerous, right? Like I was (laughs) constantly having to call one of the texts to fix something I broke. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So for me to, to um, build this website, I mean, I've had to rebuild it at least three times, right? (laughs) (laughs) Bloated the site or this or that or the other, but, um, and, and I've, you know, I had Wayne's help on that. It's been tremendous to be able to, to connect with him. And it's, it was fun to right like that first phone call with him about the project. It was just like going back to noodlehead days. Like, yeah. Okay. So now what, what happens if we do this? And now what about, you know, like it was, we just fell right back into our flow, which was really fun, but I'm proud of myself. I I've been intellectually challenged by it. And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of, of what I built. I think it's it's beautiful. I think it's as beautiful as, as Viv's gemstones are. So yeah, he's got yeah. his, his stones or his babies and, and the website's um, my baby now. So. Yeah, that's cool. So what's the URL yeah. for that? That's opalsamerica.com. Okay, opalsamerica. And then you're on Facebook and Instagram. Your book's yeah, on, on Amazon. Yeah, mm. book's on Amazon. And you can find a link to the book on Potluck Fit Mama as well. That's uh, no electronics, a potluck of, of poems, and that um, I'm also really proud of that. You know, it's funny because you talk about why we wrote them. I don't know if you remember, but my thing when I wrote that was, I want to create something that my kids can pass down. That's a little piece of me, and yeah. uh, and you know, I said that, and of course, in the back of my mind, I'm also like, yeah, yeah. Which I'm not, <laughs> and and it's okay um, because I really did achieve my goal. I, I have this little piece of myself, yeah, in that book, and I'm really proud of it. And um, I think there'll be another publication for me one day. It's just not time, but um, a, a lot of my heart and soul is in Potluck Fit Mama right now. So if you go to Facebook or Instagram, Potluck Fit Mama is where I am talking about all things self care, and okay. that, so that's you know all those departments right okay the whole self the whole spirit cool the whole body Who's, if what's up what's a challenge or a problem that someone might be having that you can help them solve oh there's a there's a few things right so yeah obviously all the so if you, if you don't love yourself if you, if you have um <clears throat> insecurities um around yourself like i can build you up i can help you learn to love yourself i can help you um see how beautiful you are. Uh, I can also, um, I have a history of that people pleasing, uh, behavior, um, performing for other people, um, validating my, my worth by, um, praise or achievements and, um, you know, really kind of obsessing about other people and like how, how they're doing, uh, all this stuff, um, was very damaging to me. And so I take, uh, helping other people out of those places very seriously. So if, if, if you're someone who is worn out from worrying about other people, I can help you. I can help you there for sure. And you can email me potluckmama at gmail.com and we can talk more. Yeah. And I can attest to that because I went through the ringer and then when Beth came around, she really did, uh, you did provide a, uh, safe and loving place for me to, to work mm. through and heal on some of the areas that, that were uniquely, um, posi- you were uniquely positioned to, to do so for me. Well, it's a, it was a, a mutual thing. I, um, you know, when you asked me to do this, 
my, my first thought was, uh, I just remembered how many conversations we've had over the years. Right. And I've always enjoyed my conversations with you. And I think that, um, I've always felt this, uh, kinship to you in, I guess, in our willingness to love people. Yeah. I think that's really what it came down to, right? Like just to love people. And, and to love beyond what most people would be willing to. Yeah, I think so. It's, um, it's, there's an acceptance there. Um, and, uh, and I think everybody needs that. Like there's so much criticism in the world. Um, we, we, like I said, like, it's like a, a strength and a weakness thing, right? Like just, just, just to accept that our strengths are also our weaknesses and, um, and that we're human and yeah. we can make mistakes and we can change our minds. Like these are things that, um, I feel like we're trained to think we have to get everything right. Like, right. Like, I mean, you're given a test and you're trying to get a hundred points yeah. <laughs> like, and nobody ever says <laughs> that failure is a success. And yet yeah. often it is right. Like look at, look at Noodlehead. I mean, Noodlehead marketing was a failure and yet, um, it was, uh, so important to our lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like having that groundedness to fail. And I remember that one time we did that island story where that lady, we talked, it was in the island story, the reef of failure, I think is what we were calling it at the time. And she just was like, no, it is not the reef oh, of I failure. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> and that's like, I see people that have a hard time sort of accepting that, but I sort of embrace failure, like, um, because right. that's not where my identity comes from. Right. Right. Yeah. And honestly, um, willingness to accept failure in ourselves, grace, right? Grace is a practice. And so if I can show myself grace, uh, it's going to be so much easier for me to show others grace. And that's what we all need at the end of the day, right? Is for someone to say, it's okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're loved. Yeah. That scared kid inside of us. Yeah. 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 Little Jason. Yeah. (laughs) Little Beth. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed chatting with you. It was good. Nice to catch up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Share Life. For additional stories and systems to live better and work smarter, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. We look forward to having you listen in on the next episode of Share Life.